0: Welcome to the Critical Witness podcast where we talk faith, apologetics, evangelism and anything else we can think of. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Critical Witness. Uh, We are joined by Inonge, who will be on the screen momentarily. I just want to warn you a little bit that both Dan and I are totally unprepared for this conversation. So we don't really know where it's going to go. And Inonge is brave enough to join us. And uh, we're looking forward to a conversation about what she does with her blog and YouTube and evangelism with women. anything else. So it could be a fairly open conversation. Um, if you've got questions for us as we chat, feel free to put them into the live chat. It's good that you can be here if you're live. Um, and if you're watching later on, feel free to put some comments uh, wherever you're watching it and let us know what you think of the conversation. But with, uh, no further ado, uh, Inonge, welcome to Critical Witness, the most organized and planned show on the (laughs) internet. (laughs)
1: Thanks, thanks Phil, thanks for having me, glad to be here.
0: Yes, great, so we kind of connected through, uh, Nay Dawson uh, recommended uh, your channel and uh, connected over Twitter, and just be good to hear a bit about your story, which we've been hearing before we went live, but now we're going to ask you to repeat yourself, so... um, (laughs) Who who are you? And let's start with that one. And um, let's go with the first question we usually ask our guests. So wh- why are you a Christian? And then we'll get a little bit of your, your story.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm in Nongi. I'm originally from Zambia. So that's where I was born. That's where I grew up. And uh, 16, 16 years in August, I moved to, to Scotland. Um, so, so that's kind of a bit with my background. My accent is, uh, yeah, a combination of of everything and and nothing at the same time. And uh, I, um, it, it's, it's interesting. Zambia is quite a Christianized country, if you like. Uh, I say Christian like constitutionally and culturally. Um, so I, I always kind of grew up with an awareness of um understanding um, who God was and came to faith at a young age. Just. To by understanding the gospel, like the the seriousness of my sin and the need for forgiveness and the need for trusting Jesus for that forgiveness. Um, but yeah, I, I hear a bit of a bumpy ride, I think, when I moved to Scotland, which is one of the most, like contrast to Zambia, one of the most secular places in, in the world and just did not know how to answer many questions that were thrown at me so it, it took a lot of working through that so i would say i'm a christian because um i i think that the gospel is amazing um it's true it's true and it's good um to, to summarize, it. I could I could talk for ages about that, but uh, I've really just found as I've worked through all of those questions, big questions and issues, and um, some of which we'll maybe touch on tonight. Uh, I I just think it's it's the, the best news <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's my chat.
0: Awesome. Oh, it's uh, good good to hear that. And um, as as we were chatting before, just the sort of transition phase of getting, going from Zambia to Scotland. You mentioned it was a, a Catholic boarding school that you, you went to in, in Zambia. Yeah. So would, would you have identified yourself as a Catholic at the time?
1: No, I went to a reformed Baptist church. Oh, right, <laughs> um, okay. It's, it's a ma- massive contrast. Um, just just to kind of paint the the picture in, in Zambia a little bit, um, I think our parents, when they were raising us up, I thought that the best way out of poverty was education. And so that was kind of the most important thing. So, you know, even Christian parents that would, you know, reformed, like reformed Baptist, like, um you know, didn't have a, an issue, I you could say, most of the time, sending you to a, like a Catholic school, um, if you were going to get a good education. So, really, I was in that school not because it was Catholic per se, but because it was a good school, and um, you needed to achieve higher grades and it just gave you a best chance, I guess, in life of, of going to a good university, getting a good career, you know, the path out of poverty as it were. So um, yeah, that's how I found myself in, in the school and I, I don't know, maybe it did have an impact. I was only there for two and a half years and then I kind of moved to a school which was the opposite of all of that in, in Scotland. Um, so I don't know if it had an impact on um on my faith um i wouldn't say it had a, a negative impact uh, I, I never really believed um i think i had quite a, a, a strong foundation of of what i believed in terms of understanding the gospel and the the law and the gospel distinctions um but maybe it wasn't that helpful for preparing me for hard questions about what i believe and why i believe it because mm. I don't know, it was just assumed, we're all Christians. I mean, RE lessons were like, you know, double the time. I'm pretty sure you got like triple, <laughs> like here in Scotland, you like, you know, get half a class and, and Zambia it was like, let's do it three times a week. Like, so yeah. even that, like we were memorizing Bible verses in RE, like, I think we learned about other religions for like 0.01% of the time. And then it was just <laughs> like the Bible. Like, so um, yeah, it was Catholic, but, I don't know, it, 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 in a weird way, like we were still like learning the Bible and, and doing all of that um, academically. So, yeah, took took a lot of shifting to switch from that to like, you know, God isn't real. <laughs> it's, quite,
2: it's quite the contrast, isn't it? Because I, I, I was trying to think, as you were talking about going from Zambia to Scotland, I was trying to think, like, what would be a more extreme move? And it's not, it's not obvious. I think Scotland must be in like at least the top ten. Because it's it's incredibly secular, even within the UK. Um, you know, I haven't looked at data recently, but it's always struck me as probably the more the more secular out of the, the most critical of Christianity. I'd say in particular. Yeah. I'm not sure if that uh, sort of resonates with reality, um, but I know that you know in terms of the the kind of secular journey that they're on. Um, quite Orwellian in there, um, you know, at the moment in terms of things around hate speech and things like that. Um, does that translate into um, a sort of cultural hostility towards the gospel in your experience as well?
1: Um, I think it was different when I was in um, high school and university and now working, I guess, in a secular context. Um, I think the hostility well high school was more like you know the way high school is it was more like a mockery um so I, I think that's what I found hardest um I was not only in a different culture um my accent sounded funny um like you know People were asking me silly questions. Uh, but, you know, Ari lessons, like I hinted at, was very much like, you know, does anybody still believe this nonsense? Um, you know, for, for those people that do, like the Ari teacher was very anti Christian in, like, a, you um, know, really, I don't know, that like he felt so comfortable saying that in front of the class and everybody would just laugh. So, you know, it was more that I don't think anybody, like, would say like bullied me or anything, but it was just like, oh, like, I mean, believe what you want, but gosh, you've got to be stupid to believe that. Mm and i think when i went to university and and maybe this came with the territory of studying law um whenever there was any kind of moral issues um because you are having a conversation in in such a you know what does the law say about this it's very difficult to like bring the gospel into that and be like yes but like jesus like cuz you're just like you know is this right or is this wrong and you know should the lord do this should the lord i found that the hostility more came as um that happened quite quickly i think from first year to uni to like maybe third or fourth year it was like you know if you if you believed um uh, a, a abortion for example was wrong in first year people would be like oh okay that's that's fair enough we disagree but by third year like you're bigger <laughs> you know it's, so it, it was um maybe more open to dialogue but people were still like willing to tell you what they thought about what you um, what you believed and I think when I left university I have f- I found it more to be like a polite secularism as in like you do you boo like we'll just <laughs> like we'll just we just don't care we don't care you do what you want um, and probably because people don't want to get fired so um, you know people just leave you to it and I think that's what I found hardest because I'm like somebody talk to me I just want any conversation like I almost missed some of that hostility because at least I had something there so um, so it, it becomes much harder to to generate conversation on anything of meaning, because um, people are almost too scared to like. We, we need to. Uh, I respect your religion. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I, I'm not actually offended by people asking me hard questions, but people are scared to ask those hard questions. They don't want to be seen as intolerant. So I've just seen. I don't know whether that's just because of those contexts, school, university, and, and work, or if. Maybe a bit of both. The culture has shifted as well um, in terms of how how people relate. So that that's been my my own experience. And so now I'm trying to work out: okay, how do you talk about the gospel to people who don't want to talk about anything meaningful? Yeah, um, yeah. what does that look like?
2: Yeah, I mean, because it sounds hard, doesn't it? Because I mean, it sort of blunts your inquisitiveness as well. Like if you're always worried that if you um, you ask someone a sort of probing question or, or a critical question that um, and this is what I was saying—the more sort of Orwellian, sort of um, kind of of, of culture of, of being so concerned about um, offending someone or being perceived to have upset someone. Um, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I don't—we probably don't want to get onto this just yet because we've missed some stuff you probably want to talk about. <laughs> but but That's but, so but, um, but it's it's it's. Um, I mean, how 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 have you worked out how to 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 discuss the gospel and have have actually? meaningful conversations in a culture where people are, are are fearful of being inquisitive or offering perhaps what they really think because i think all that happens is people sort of self-censor don't they and, and actually they do have probably a lot of criticisms about christianity or even the very notion of of, of god but they're much they're, you're in a culture like that you're hesitant to to share them and be honest because you're scared. You're you worried. You're you know you're fearful of of the the the, the ramifications of perhaps um, you know being perceived to, to have been offensive. So what I, I guess what have you what have you kind of discovered along the way so far? I mean, and maybe what 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 have helped what's helped you in that trajectory since mm-hmm. you know high school and, and things.
1: Yeah, um, very much a work in progress still. But I, I think two main things. Um, one is is um, having meaningful conversations in general about anything um so <laughs> it, I don't know if this is just a Scottish thing but like man you, we could just talk about the weather all day um and you, the, the chat you know what did you do at the weekend Or that's nice but just delving deeper into what people love and enjoy whether that's like football or like museums even if it's something I'm not interested in it, loving people enough to care about the things that they care about and then just probing and um, just like you know what do you think about that I remember having a conversation about like Love Island like never watched it don't plan on watching it like just not my vibe at all I don't think it's it's helpful that's another conversation but everybody everybody was watching it and I was just like just out of interest like why do you watch it why do you find it interesting and people would give different answers some are just like I just love television that I can switch off my brain I, I like trash telly that that's you know I am tired I come back from work I just want to switch off um and you know ended up having a conversation about uh, body image and things like that so that came off just me asking I could have just been like oh Love Island here we go again like um but just just being interested enough in why people and um, like the things that they do what what's their story um and then you become the person that People feel comfortable just expanding on things because usually people say you're right. Like even the way we say good morning or hello, it's it's uh this is gonna be the end of the conversation. I'm gonna say all right, you're gonna say all right back, and that's that's the end of it. Um, when people say how are you, and you say oh not 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 bad, that's like awkward. Like okay okay, <laughs> you're supposed to say fine, and then we move on. But but just digging that, like sitting with the discomfort and just you know getting to know people a bit better like what's wrong you know so I I think that's one way finding way of loving people enough to be genuinely interested in whatever they're interested in even if you're not interested in and and you know digging deeper into those kinds of conversations and I think the second way that I found helpful is being the one to bring up the hard questions myself um this seems counterproductive productive because like oh you surely want to like defend Christianity and like you know show that it's true and good like absolutely and I think in my early 20s, I maybe would have shied away from hard questions, like anything that I couldn't answer, nice and nice, one, two, three, neat, tidy answer, because I'm that kind of person. I like logic, I like the facts, and I'm like, here's the answer to your question. Um, So anything that didn't fit that, the suffering questions tend to fall into that category. It's like, uh, we're just, you're just not going to delve into that. And I remember people would ask, um, so, I used to work in an African restaurant, and um people would bring up um like the genocide, for example, like people turned like the Rwandan genocide. People turned on each other and killed each other and. I remember somebody saying that to me, like, explain that to me. How can you believe uh, how can you believe Christian? It's true if Christians were willing to like kill each other? And I was just like, I think I might have given a trite answer of like, you know, we're all sinners or or something. just just not not engaging with that hard question. People would bring up colonialism, like you're only a Christian because of colonialism, and you know there's half truths and sometimes in, in some of these things. But just like no, I'm a Christian because it's true. And da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. so you know people would bring that, and I was just like, I I can't answer this nice and neatly, so we will just won't talk about it. But now I'm um, I some of my non-Christian friends must think I'm crazy because I'm like bringing up, I'm the one bringing up the conversations and and being honest about wrestling with some of these questions, I will genuinely say like, listen, the suffering question, you know, these are my responses to them, but uh, it's hard. This is what I find hard and this is why. So I've just become a bit more open myself. And that's been very hard for me. Like the, the, the Zambian background we come from is very much like, you know, persevere. Like, you know, if life is hard, just move on. You know, that's, so it's just been really hard for me to be open and be vulnerable about things that are hard. Um, But I found that to be one of the most powerful because then people are like, okay, she she's willing to talk about it. So they feel comfortable bringing questions to you in that context. And that just takes time to build. Um, It's not. um, Yeah. As you just talk to people in in general Um, and having the YouTube channel maybe has given a platform for that, because I'll just I'll just talk about stuff and (laughs) (laughs) and it makes it easier. Um, Yeah.
2: Out, out, Out of interest, Phil, have you ever watched Love Island?
0: No, I I haven't. Um, I I don't know if I should drop Tina in it. So <laughs> what t-
2: what you're saying? Tina t- 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 t-
0: t- t- did a little bit for,
2: for, for a bit. Um, I think, I, think um, I watched one episode. No, I, um, for experimental
0: purposes, of course, um, <laughs> to be down just, with the kids and understand culture and critique it in some way, obviously. Just, just, just quickly, like you know,
2: that sorry, um, you know, it's, like over here, you're right, like the way you were saying how we greet people and, and actually we don't really mean what we mean when we ask how are you we just want you to say okay we don't actually want anyone to expand or to um to unload you know their emotional toil on us um is that is that is that like that that's that's also in England as well I think it's probably just a British thing in general I imagine in Wales and Ireland it's probably the same as, as well um what intent I've always wondered, but so what? What do people do in Zambia? Like, I'm just out of interest. Like, do be like, would you be like, oh, how are you? And pe- would people actually be interested or expand, or is it just? I've always wondered. Like, is it, does everyone do this? Is it just we pretend to care, but actually we really don't? I
1: th- I think it, I think it happens in every culture where people pretend to, to care and they don't. Um I think because in Zambia you have a lot more community. Um you know, people might not necessarily if you've got extended family I remember growing up, I had like two aunties at home, like people would just pitch from the village and just stay for a whole month. Like there's <laughs> yeah. just you know, just, there's always kind of people around and people to help, and uh and so you you know, actually you, you probably wouldn't share all your problems with strangers. There's this kind of you know, it's it's in the family and whatever, but because you've got those kind of extended family units, um, and even church and the way church community is 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 so quite you you know tight-knit um it becomes um and and also you're in a a culture where people might answer i'm I'm blessed and highly favored when you ask how they are (laughs) <laughs> you know, how are you oh the lord is good like i know he is but how are you like um so yeah i, I think it's just a different set of problems I, i'm not even saying like oh we're, the zambians are better and we're like i think it just looks different um how how people respond to, to suffering i i think people are open to kind of sharing what they're going through um maybe in a zambian culture but there's something in how we're brought up. I think it's good and bad, um, in, in some sense. There's something in the way we're brought up that says you must. Um, there's a phrase, a Zambian phrase, which just says "shipikishafya," which just means like you just tough it out. Um, there's right. something that kind of says that and, and just how we grow, we grow up. Like I remember boarding school. Like There's so many unfair things that would happen. Like You'd have somebody making noise in class and there's like a noisemakers list. And if the prefect didn't find the culprit, you all got punished. You're raking the field on a Saturday. and nobody was like oh woe is me it was just like you just get on with it so just 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 crack on so yeah you you do have this sense of like people are willing to kind of share like the burdens but their response maybe when they do share is maybe people aren't like oh man i'm sorry for like oh stuff but the lord is good And, and 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 just tough it out and i guess you also see people a lot worse a lot of the time like you know just the next neighborhood, like, and so it makes you think, Oh, my, my problem doesn't matter as much. So, I i think every culture just has its own trite yeah. way of answering mm. that question. And, and we need to be like, How how can we be different than each culture as Christians in, in, in counterculture? I guess.
2: What, what was that like in Papua New Guinea, is Phil, then where you sort of grew up as well? Is yeah, a
0: similar trying,
2: sort of thing, or
0: I'm trying to that out, I think where you knew people uh you had that community you would stop and you'd like you'd have you'd story with them uh you just mm-hmm. sit down and have a story uh and and tell it out um but i think there's also yeah as as an said just you'd have those times where it's just like afternoon and you just kind of but what you would do is you would say hello to everyone
3: mm-hmm. right. so you,
0: you might not say how are you but you would say like the, the greetings. So you'd have morning for morning, happy noon for afternoon, and good night or evening. It's very similar. Um, top Pizan was the, the language, trade language that we'd speak in. The greetings were fairly similar. You could work them out pretty quickly. But you would say that to everyone. So when I came back to the UK, <laughs> I'd get really odd looks because I would be greeting everyone on the street (laughs) (laughs) and and the uk thing is you can only do that if you've got a dog (laughs) if you're walking a dog and someone else has a dog then you can maybe make my contact
1: (laughs) (laughs) a great evangelistic opportunity a pet dog i don't even like dogs i get one just so i can talk to people (laughs) oh
0: it is it is open We, we got to so we didn't Know many of our neighbours in one of the places we lived until we got the dog, and then as soon as we had the dog, we, we've got really good friends now. Uh, it, uh, although we've moved out from that community, but it was um, it is a good way to yeah get people talking. And I, I hear similar with well, you kind of experience a bit when you have a a very small child as well, unless they're an annoying people and then you get grumpy looks. But um, yeah, that, that, that's that's how it was in, in, in Papua New Guinea. But you get the same thing where you'd like, Um, are you all right, and you might say fine and you just kind of move on.
2: It it Um, changes in regions as well, because even in England, like in a middle class setting in the rural countryside, everyone says hello to everyone. But actually, if you're in a different setting, like on a, you know, like a working class, you know, council estate somewhere, you don't greet everyone you don't know because that could be you know if you said it if you, you look you stared at someone that could be like a form of aggression or yeah, something yeah. as well like if you didn't yeah. know someone like you're right and they'd be like yeah. what you want you know and you can imagine that 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 could <laughs> be like, <laughs> yeah that could be like that could instigate some sort of conflict you know uh, conflict whereas in a different context it would be fine mm-hmm. you know, like you said you're walking a yeah. dog you just say hello and you're in the woods yes oh good morning you know morning. Morning, so um, yeah it's, it's just it's just it's just funny how we're all. Um, yeah,
0: learning those cultural cues is probably the one of the trickiest things I think. For and that's probably where I experienced culture shock the most is like just trying to figure out why, why did you just give me a dirty look? Like, I, I, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> well, all I said was I thought I was being polite, but apparently I wasn't. Um, I think it's really interesting what you're saying, Anongay, about about bringing up the difficult, con being the one that's vulnerable. To people is is a really interesting I've, I've kind of noticed that with a few friendships that i've had just sharing this the struggles of life with them and just going like this is really hard and i kind of as you say i have i have this faith that kind of helps me navigate stuff but it doesn't answer it like i don't have a clear answer and i think the older i get the more i'm like christianity is about wrestling with it just like yeah. just like everything else so it's just Maybe something more hope-filled about that wrestle, um, which uh, is a very and, Jewish view. Yeah, apparently so it's <laughs> a very
2: Jewish people. view. I think I think as you mature, you almost become like that's what the Jews do view themselves like as like Jacob wrestling with God throughout. That's just like such a Jewish view of of God. So yeah. I, I reckon I,
0: I think um, you're right. Yeah, the the rabbi friend I have is is uh, I'm learning from him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's yeah i think that's really helpful um i don't know i just find evangelism a little bit more effective in that way when i'm not Mm -hmm. as clear cut with answers um i think growing up in an evangel evangelical culture the the whole thing with apologetics can be here are here is the right answer yeah and when you're like that you're very hard to talk to because when atheists are like that they're very hard to talk to (laughs) how do you know that i'm wrong like uh, yeah i I think that's just a really really valid point of working out if you're going to have a strategy maybe be less certain about your strategy i guess um so i I was just like with with you you've avoided full-time ministry and you've been very clear that like full-time ministry is not not for you so I'll be interested like how do you find those conversations in your work or are these just conversations with secular friends are are you not able to talk about faith at all in your work like how how are you balancing that sort of thing
1: yeah um (laughs) I'm working from home at the moment, so not not many. Uh, but when when we were in the office, I, I actually found I was having lots of conversations. I think just the context I found myself in and the colleagues I had were just a lot more willing. Sometimes I was like, Are You guys serious? Um, I, I, I keep referring to this story, like one of my one of my friends um from work, this is when lockdown was about to start. So we're all talking about we're roughly the same age, like you know, millennial. Um, ish, and um, so we're talking about life insurance and like uh, having a will. And do you have a will? Do you have a will? I don't have a will. Do you? Um, and li- life insurance. And I th- he just came out with like, how do you feel about death in get It's just like what? <laughs> um, and well, it's just I- I've just never been asked those kind of questions before. But um, so we we all quite open actually about. Just talking about anything, politics and um, whatever it was. And because I, um, I started off being like a lot more open, like I'm a Christian, but also, yeah, I'll just talk about some of the issues that I, I have problems with myself or mm-hmm. wrestle with. So it was quite an open environment. I'm um, surprisingly, I just didn't know what to expect coming from like, you know, Cornhill Bible training to like this context, but it, it was incredible in that way. Um. So I can't complain by, by way of like, opportunities and how my colleagues kind of treated me. Um, they like, heard me out. They um, There's one or two um, that, of course, you have more conversations with. Um, and I miss that, actually. I, I, I miss those kind of chats. And having the um, YouTube channel helped with that sometimes because sometimes they'll just watch my stuff. At the time I wasn't even making anything particularly aimed at non christian I was just chatting. I don't I don't know, just random stuff like Christian <laughs> worldview about this and the other and um, well you don't get watched your videos and they'll be like oh gosh which That's one, one cool. did you watch <laughs> um, and it would be like oh the one on like like reading the bible spiritual warfare like nothing like remotely <laughs> like oh really is that the one you gotta pick like come on um, I was aiming that at, like Nigerian Christians but anyway <laughs> um, so yeah so it was interesting the kind of things I, Um, one 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 of my friends in particular was interested in was like theo- the, the theology doctrine type videos um um, I'm like talking about prayer and the sovereignty of God and like, you know, the ones that were aimed maybe at them, like, you know, finding satisfaction, like not interested. Just like, yeah. I, I want to know the, this, this hard topic. So that was an interesting, I was like, Ah, interesting. Like you wanna you wanna talk about big theology stuff? You don't want <laughs> the, the stereotypical apologetic content. You're like, meh. <laughs> yeah. I'm not asking that question. <laughs> um so so it's it's been great actually. And and that was one of the main reasons I I, I say to you um earlier, Phil, like like full time ministry. I just knew it wasn't for me. And part of that was when I was doing full time ministry type things, I just missed hanging out with non-Christians. Not because I hate Christians, <laughs> because I, I get mm-hmm. sick of them, but I just there's only so much I could handle of like Christian new things all the time and I just missed I just missed those kind of conversations and I was like I think I think God's made me that way I think he's given me a, a heart and a passion for people um, that that are not Christians in a way that I have to like be among them, um, mm. like living living life day to day rather than just you know training other people to <laughs> to do yeah. that. And so so that was a big clue just how I was feeling. Like I I love studying the Bible, I love teaching the Bible, I loved those one to ones. You just open the Bible together, like really really enjoyed it, and and I still do. But I couldn't do that. Like <laughs> I can handle that like maybe two days max. I couldn't do that all the time. So so that kind of was was what I, I was like uh, i I think um finding a way of just going back to, to something secular, maybe, and still finding a way of using my gifts in some way, because I've had all this training and uh, really privileged to have all of it um, in in all, everything like evangelism, apologetics, theology, and I I I felt the sense of like I need to use this, I need to steward this, and use it somehow to serve the church, and so that's kind of what I'm working out or like what it looks like is to, and to to do that, and 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 how to how to do that with a full time job, because you can't mm. just yeah, um... yeah,
2: but there's something quite authentic about that. Um, you know, Paul, you know, tent maker, um, mm-hmm. you know, about, you know, working, be, being around, you know, being around the people of God, but also being around people who are not. Uh, and and um, like you said, the opportunities you have, um, you know, you just wouldn't be wouldn't be open to you if you were, like you said, you know, in full time ministry um, like you. I, I wouldn't want to walk work. work work with Christians all the time (laughs) uh, yeah I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't do that I'm with I'm with you it's not not for me I mean there's something nice isn't there something there's something really powerful about being around and in community with people who believe the same thing Mm
3: -hmm.
2: but it's also quite exciting and to be around people who don't who just think you're nuts uh and wrong you know yeah or both or you know um and, and more and um yeah, it, it, yeah
3: yeah uh,
0: yeah yeah uh, the whole kind of bubble that forms when you're just around christians it becomes very insular you find your own you find disagreements within that bubble but sometimes yeah that that can be an unhealthy uh kind of yeah living and mm-hmm. that does i've got to be a bit careful because i mean where i grew up uh, for school was was very much a a christian bubble um mission school and uh very evangelical quite an american majority evangelical and it, yeah it took me a little bit of time to unpick that um when i arrived back in the uk it did make me ready to be in the uk or admit and kind of like what you're saying just like I mean, you get a full-time ministry is not for me that's kind of how i felt about a full-time in christian bubble zone like kind of kind of made me concerned about heaven i can't do it for eternity <laughs> maybe a couple of years uh, well, that's, that's something to work through but, <laughs> uh, christians yeah.
3: all of the time oh, oh. man <laughs>
0: yeah. How, how's that yeah so yeah I, I think there's there's a healthy aspect to this this time this life uh before heaven there is a, a need to have challenge and and actually it's interesting hearing your story because there's, there's a bit of an inverted I, f- I found my friends at university were totally apathetic to my faith it was like oh you're a christian let's go have a beer <laughs> so, okay and i hadn't worked out how to what, what you were suggesting like in the, the being vulnerable and bringing up things. So it was very, very much not having that challenge, but now working, I'm actually full-time ministry <laughs> mm-hmm. um, with friends international. There's this, there, I do find there's more, maybe because I'm a bit older and a little bit less um, insecure in my faith, I guess Um, there is a little bit more back and forth of people and you know, being able to ask those questions of how do you actually feel about this topic? And, uh, a bit more life experience to to fall back on when it comes to difficult um things like suffering. And if mm-hmm. it's very I found it very hard when people brought that up when I was at uni because I was quite in a privileged position um to be at university and I hadn't really experienced that much suffering or anything growing up in Papua New Guinea. Um but now that there's personal experience of that and I can just go, look, this is this is where I'm at. I don't have an answer for it. But that that's it i it still have i still have my faith in this hope that there's a, a reason for it and something better um that, that god has in store and i can see how he's bringing about his purposes even through suffering um and so it's, it's just working out those things and how i can be vulnerable i'm not, i'm kind of rambling dan what where are we oh, going oh with?
2: no i was going to say <laughs> it's it, it,
0: it's interesting cuz
2: as you were talking i was thinking there were there are um Going back to what I said about how how certain certain contexts can blunt your inquisitiveness it was interesting listening to you i think if you're in in your particular context the the, the downside of being around people who all believe the same things is that you, you're less inclined to ask inquisitive critical questions because you don't want to be you know um down in thomas amongst you know the rest of the the apostles you don't want to you know you want to seem to um uh, to be questioning things or, or just rather than just sort of towing the line um but there's the, but there's the inverse of that i, I found as maybe an you you'll agree is that when you're around people who don't believe what you believe in a way that can al- also blunt your inquisitiveness in a sense because um it sounds like you've you've overcome that now in a sense you're much more likely to uh, like if someone asks you a question the, you're almost trained in a way to try and give this pet answer. You know, oh suffering. Well, uh, well, there's natural suffering, and there's you know, there's uh free will, and you, know, you can get to go into this, and how many Alvin Planting going the free will defense, blah, blah blah blah, you know, all that jazz. Um, and rather than I think most of us uh, are uncomfortable with actually honest about actually we're not we haven't really got it sewn up. And actually, yeah, I actually struggle with this. This is a you know, um, you know being open I think there's a sense in which that can blunt your inquisitiveness as well and you're you're, you're wanting to be um be more honest with people who don't believe what you believe because you're you're often worried about putting them off you know oh well if if I'm too honest I'll put them off and they won't they won't they won't want to explore the gospel actually I think there's something quite quite refreshing about someone who does deeply believe but still has questions um and, and wrestles with um you know with those big questions and you haven't got everything neatly boxed and 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 tidy, tidied up um, but it sounds like from what you were saying you're much more comfortable now with being honest around people who don't believe what you believe and i think would you do you think that that's um appreciated do you think much more by the people that you're kind of you're working with and and, and interacting
1: with yeah i think so and i think it's been a, a learning experience and maybe just conviction about this over the years um um, <laughs> I would maybe describe I, I wouldn't have thought I was arrogant or anything but I was just so self-assured in a way that communicated that I had everything sorted and and then people would listen to my story i would talk about like my life and like oh, I lost my dad at young age and then my grandmother like quite a lot of suffering in my life and people just didn't know about it. I just never talked about it um and people th- that would almost resonate they're like oh wow like and I was like oh okay this is something that people resonate with because then I'm not this perfect inonge with all the right answers and all the right theology. Um, and so it was through interactions with people actually where they kind of hinted like, by the way, we see you as this person that is sorted. And I was like, oh my goodness, is that is that what I'm projecting? Like I'm far from, from mm. sorted. Um, and and just I think um like studying the Bible and looking at how the Bible wrestles with questions and suffering um I think studying the book of Job I can't remember when mm. when this was maybe it was really when I was doing relay with UCCF or or just before that and just seeing the the honesty that the the Bible writers and God's people um wrestle with things and and so actually if I've got a high view of of God and how he works in the world and a high view of of the gospel like nothing is going to diminish it then I don't think I I think having that integrity of of not pretending like things are okay or not um not hiding the hard questions and trusting that God is too able to work I'm not going to um you know diminish the gospel somehow by being truthful and honest about something um i think sometimes there's wisdom in who you're sharing that with like i i maybe wouldn't go if somebody's having doubts about their faith i wouldn't be like well um you know guess what like here's my 10 other doubts and you know that maybe (laughs) wouldn't be helpful there's a wisdom there certainly but i i think um every now and again um just 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 good to remind people that you're a real person um and and it helps them see they could be a christian too they don't have to like first sort themselves out like the gospel is is for them too. Um, they the messed up, they unsorted, they the got doubts and many questions. And you don't have to like have all the answers intellectually and then become a Christian. It's like you can still become a Christian with questions. Um, and so it's removing barriers actually for people. Um, to be like, okay, I actually haven't quite reckoned science and this or, or this, but I I think this is true. Um, you know, the 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 death and resurrection of Jesus and I believe that we can start from there, and um, so, so yeah, I, I think yeah, God has been at work for sure in that. But.
2: It's interesting that temptation for Christians to to neatly package things up and put a kind of gloss on things, because I think I became a Christian in a sort of Pentecostal <clears throat> Pentecostal tradition, and there's very much this sense in which you you have to appear that things are together and that problems don't exist you know I, I remember when I first became a Christian I was back I went back to college and people always I was in class there were a lot of um it was mature a lot of women probably in their 30s 40s and stuff and they're talking about how they were very stressed and I was like no 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 I got the gospel in Jesus I don't have stress like Christian I just don't have stress they're like, they're like wait till you get old and you got kids in the house I was like no 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 like like praise God like there's I don't I don't God doesn't allow me to be
1: stressed stressed. (laughs) yeah too blessed
2: to be stressed yeah and like you pick up all these sort of aphorisms these sort of false aphorisms in in a sense from that from that tradition and it and and it so it does almost train you to to sort of um to neglect to to deny reality in a sense you know it's denied that you know you don't feel good or you know that, that you are stressed and things with these um these these kinds of these kinds of sayings and things like that and i think i brought that into a lot of my um early interactions with people is coming across you know oh well um uh, you've got this issue okay we'll here, what about a b c d and e see done yeah and then what about this question well, well there's e f g h and i yeah yeah <laughs> and you just need to read this book and uh, don't need to worry about yeah. the Bible, just read, you know, his, his, his this Bible. person, read about the Bible, yeah. um <laughs> uh, uh, We can come, come back to that, but would, would, you, would you, would you be, would you be interested, like, would you be open to talking a little bit more about Zambia? Mm-hmm. Would
3: that yeah.
2: Be, what, what yeah. is the, cause I'll be honest, I, 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 I for my, um, uh, undergraduate degree I did I did some sort of stuff looking at the history of empires and, and colonialism and things. But I didn't really do much on, on Zambia. And I'd be really interested to know a bit of the background about um Christianity in Zambia. Um obviously Africa has a rich history, you know, far more than Europe in terms of Christianity and and, and even its impact on the on the, on the world today. So I'd I'd be really interested to know a little bit more about Christianity in Zambia and 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 maybe if you're happy, talk a little bit about the, uh, the kind of remnants of colonialism and things. I think that's it's quite a, a pertinent topic at the moment, and a lot of people reassessing and, and looking at back uh, at the past of a, a slightly more critical lens. Would that would that be okay?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm um, <laughs> actually thinking about this. You know, I'm very much still, still working this out and and reading the the British High Commissioner to to Zambia put a Twitter post. Man, it was hilarious. Look, uh, okay, maybe not to him, but um, he he wrote something along the lines of he was outside. Um, one of the missionary explorers, one of the missionaries to Zambia, David Livingston. Um, he's got a whole city in in Zambia named after him, Livingston and and the the Great Victoria Falls. Um, mm. originally called Mosi Otunya, which in the, um, the the original language means the smoke that thunders, which if you see photos or videos of the Victoria Falls, it makes sense. Um, That's a much so, better name,
0: by the way. That's a great name.
1: It is Mosi Otunya. Like it's mm. so like, whoo! Um, so he was like, hmm, I'm gonna rename you after my queen. Um, yeah. so so you know, Victoria Falls. So so anyway, he the the British High Commissioner was posing next to um I don't know, some kind of David Livingstone Memorial. And um, (laughs) it had something along the lines of, I don't know if this is something that David Livingstone prayed. Like I, I pray on this great nation that it would, you know, prosper in the preaching of your word or something that you know you and you and I might say oh, that's a good prayer to pray but um, I think his question was like what does Devin Livingstone's legacy mean to you and because Zambia I, 1991 was declared a, a Christian nation constitutionally and um, you know we we're always you know, we're a Christian nation we're a Christian nation we don't do that we're a Christian nation so mm. I think what he thought would happen would people would be like oh great he brought the gospel or man people took him to the cleaners i went through like i know it's a bit sad i went through the quote um tweets and then the comments just to find anybody that said anything nice there was maybe one person but most of them were like he brought nothing he made nothing colonialism religious nonsense like it was just like absolutely brutal um and i was just like wow like people are not having this anymore um so it is um quite a hard quite hard for me i'm like i need to work that out because um when i grew up um studying so i did have my high school in zambia so i did some history and the, the, the history the way we learned history was interesting so you know you the, the the african history was very much the way it was phrased was kind of savage like you you had your kingdoms and where they you know originated from and which tribes came from which kingdoms and you had the origin expansion and decline and the origin would be like you know they took over this kingdom and then they expanded by selling each other and trading each other and, and killing each other and then decline would be like and then the king died um and you know that and then whenever you learned and then you would be like fast forward to you know David Livingstone and people and it would be like you the questions on the history paper would be like what did Dr David Livingstone and um, what did Henry Morton Stanley say to Dr David Livingstone when they met like a, another explorer Dr David Livingstone I presume like that you know it, it was just like oh African history you know savagery like David Livingstone you know what what did they say when they met it was all very I, I, at the time I was just memorizing I was trying to pass the exam so it's just like mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll memorize the essays I don't know who wrote it but it, it obviously came very much from a Western lens. So, um, so, so on, on one end, you kind of have this kind of colonialism that brought in um, a, a lot of the remnants that you see today. Like I talk a lot about how I used to be embarrassed about my culture growing up because anything that was white was good and anything that was African seemed bad so we traditional African clothing we would have days in school to celebrate like Independence Day or African Freedom Day and none of us wanted to wear it like it was just like oh no like that's like the village people wear that like we don't we don't do that so any civilization and, and education was associated with the West and English. We used to get punished at school for speaking Zambian local languages like speak English um and I was just I've just been thinking about looking back and like mm. so many things messed up um and so yeah but then you have this kind of Christianity existed in in in, in Africa way before the the colonialists um, um called, uh, colon colonized, colonizers um sound mm. like black panther um <laughs> 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 And um, didn't mean to go a Wakanda there, but and um, yeah, we're before colonialism <laughs> arrived. Like, and I, I've been reading a really helpful book just detailing like the history of Christianity in Africa and different African theologians. So, and um, there is that the reason we don't know about that, um ironically, is because of. Colonialism, because we mm-hmm. just never learn things from, from the perspective other than anything from a Western lens. So, um, but you do kind of, I was chatting to my mom about this, and you, you had these kind of revivals in Zambia. And, and the reason Zambia is a constitutionally Christian nation is because there's a point at which, and this happens a lot, where there's like a revival, and then, you mm. know, people put laws that are like Christian because everybody is just like, just fire, Jesus everywhere. Um, so you you have that in in one sense. It's like okay, the gospel is good, but like colonialism isn't, and you shouldn't try and just because you know maybe um, the gospel came in in a different wave, um, doesn't mean that you you kind of justify the other thing. Like the means that it came through doesn't justify that. Like it doesn't become good just because something good may potentially have come out of it, because yeah. other bad stuff came from it as well. Um, so yeah i don't even know i'm going with this but i'm (laughs) no no
0: it's really helpful there's some some stuff that i've been working through with some friends from Papua new guinea that sounds very similar so in in the school i was in so for the first part like primary school i was in an international school in one of the main cities called mount Harbin. and when you were just saying that they were punished for speaking your local languages it was was similar there (laughs) like if you spoke pidgin english or the, the trade language you'd yeah, you'd be told off. It's, it's about English. That's our that's our national language now. Is like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, was it? Is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. How's that worked yeah. worked out? Um, and then the the so a few of the Papua New Guinean friends that I have from the mission school, unpicking like, uh, there I American evangelicalism, because that was the majority with what Christian faith is. Yeah. Um, and how some of the. You know, the the dangers of a of a Christian nation of a Christian bubble of a Christian yep. administration, which was basically our mission school. Our mission school basically had its own little law system that was allowed because mm-hmm. they had money and we in Papua New Guinea. Uh, yeah, um, without going into mm-hmm. too much detail, but the there was basically an administration, and that became very law based, behavior based, mm-hmm. and not very grace filled. And then yeah. so you have these teenagers growing up, uh, like everything was Christian. Our assemblies were Christian. Our, we'd, we'd all go to the same service on a Sunday. We'd all have the same youth group in the Sunday afternoon. We saw each other 24-7 pretty much, and it was all Christian. But it's all about how you behave, not about how, you know, Jesus – although that was said, you were still – was still very judgmental, and, the, and the, the naughty kids, the ones who doubted, were generally judged a little bit harder because they generally behaved a little bit naughtier and watched a naughtier movie or, or, or whatever. And um, I guess that's the danger of just bubbles. <laughs> you don't have you don't have the opportunity to show grace. You just become more judgmental about who's more Christian than the the other person. Um, so there's just a lot of resonation in there. Just trying to unpick. Well, you say, the good, the good news of the gospel, that is freedom, that is life, that is a light in a dark place, it brings hope, but also redeems cultures rather than assimilates cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, it's trying to work that through when a large block of my life has seen how it assimilates <laughs> <laughs> and the dangers of that. Hi there this is phil Duncarf. thank you so much for listening to the critical witness podcast if you like what you hear please do subscribe share the episode and write a review it will help others find us and if you really like what you hear and want us to grow please do consider supporting us through patreon.com forward slash critical witness enjoy the rest of the show
2: I mean that that's always been a thread through Christianity. That struggle about what what do you do with cultures like the Judea, You know, trying to you know what do we do with these with these former pagans and uh, and Romans and Greeks. You know, what do we what do we do them? Do we just need to make them Jewish? You know, yes. so it's it, it it's it's been this common thread throughout the history of of of, of, of Christianity. Is is how do we what do we? What do we reject? What do we rege- redeem? Um, you know, and um, I can't remember now. This reason. It's three. I always think of three R's: reject, redeem, and I can't remember. I don't know what the other R is. It's probably quite important. What are do you doing in the culture? But, still, but it's one of those. I don't know. Still, I don't know. Yeah, good. one of It will come to you <laughs> later. I'll, I'll wake up at like three in the morning thinking.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> that's because, the one. Uh, I mean. um, later on.
2: <laughs> yeah so it's 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 difficult isn't it because i always it, it's quite sad in a way because you know looking at um you know the, the history of christianity in africa and then what it what, the, the you know people i think in their hearts thinking they're doing good trying to turn everyone in africa into a suit wearing victorian baptist or anglican is, is it's because we, we've lost what's dis, you know you, you lose what's distinct about african christianity i mean a lot of you know thankfully there is a you know there's a lot um you know that's still very distinct about african christianity but there's still that that remnant of victorian suit wearers uh i I have a thing with people wearing suits Uh, uh, i'm not not a big fan of suit wearing christians Um, no offense to anyone listening who wears a suit to church but um I know it's it's complex um but but it's interesting you look around the world look at you look at South Korea look at Christianity in South Korea uh look at uh like you said uh, Zambia Nigeria Ghana um then you go down to South America as well and look at Brazilian Christianity and 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 and, and, Argentina it's just it's just yeah it's um you know there's both there's good and bad, uh, and I think people have a tendency to, if you're a Christian, to focus on the good, and if you're in a critical position, is focus on the bad. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think it, it, it is, you know, like with most things, it's far more nuanced than that, you know, we do, mm-hmm. you know, um, there is bad, there is good, and here we are, you know, here we are today. Um, there was bad before, there was good before, uh, and mm-hmm. some of those good things were exchanged for bad things, and some of those bad things were exchanged for good things. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: swing back but, and forth. How, how yeah. are you? How are you finding that in your own faith and onga? Have you I imagine there's been a bit of a journey through that. I don't even uh, Yeah, just just. Ha- have you how have you processed that? Are you still yeah. processing it?
1: Still processing. Um I think <laughs> um interesting enough, it, it was those conversations that I mentioned earlier with um, people from different African countries asking those hard questions about, you know, genocide and colonialism and, and all these things. And then I was doing some, um, when I was doing Relay, we were learning some of the theology covered, like the Trinity. And um, like Mike Reeves is really helpful on that. She talks about delighting in the Trinity, like the Trinity not being like a bad math problem, but actually something that, that is good. And and I think just um, another book was Popologetics, just thinking about. Culture and thinking about diversity, and thinking about um, how those things worked with with who God who God is, and and how God made things to be, and how things are going to be in the end in Revelation. So, um, I, it was actually like reflecting on the Christian worldview that helped me go back and revisit. Hold on a second. Why am I embarrassed about? um African traditional clothing why am I embarrassed about cultural things um and and also I found people interested in my culture and and it was an in into like talking about other stuff because people would be like oh Zambia, tell me more like and people were interested I was like oh okay yeah like I remember inviting my hockey teammates to I didn't think they will turn up, so I like I'm gonna invite them for a meal, but they're not gonna pitch, and not. And so I made it zambian themed. But I just played this card. I made it zambian themed because I was like, now they can't say no, you know. <laughs> <laughs> to come. So um, so a lot of things were happening in the background that just made me rethink that. And actually, it's it's because I have um thought about that kind of Christian identity that I'm like, you know, this is this is not inconsistent. And just trying to make those gospel connections and threads um such that now I'm like I'm celebrating the the good, critiquing some of the that which is in good. I know there's there's a wave of like pan-Africanism, which is like, well, we must look at everything through a, like an African lens, or like I I still need to look at things with a Christian worldview lens because I'm a Christian. And um, but I need to then revisit some of the things that I was told growing up in a reformed baptist church you know you've got the regulative principle of worship and so like any you know drums whoa like mm, mm. you know you not in just rethinking some of those things and and some of them um, it's it's funny you mentioned american christianity it just infiltrates everything um i'll, I'll be watching things and and some of the things that we, we used to practice in the church and i'm like it just doesn't work in in a sambian context like anytime i listen to you know blogs especially blogs to women and they talk about homeschooling and they're like this is the right way to do and i'm like okay but like you're literally living in a country with like higher literacy rates and um, with like social economic advan- advantages you've got a library you've got books Um uh, so you're gonna tell a woman in an african village who can't read that like she's somehow less christian and it's a lesser option if she's not homeschooling her children who don't have access to life like just stuff like that i just mm. would start to pick up on on things i think from yeah living in Scotland and then like observing so working out what are the kind of timeless gospel truths what are the important things and what are the cultural um applications of some of those and what are the blind spots that that we might experience and that sorry that that we might have Mm -hmm. um when we're doing that so so that's what I'm constantly doing and I'm like is this just my Scottishness or with my Zambianness like not not even like one culture overriding the other like there are some things that you do in, in Zambian churches or Zambian culture that I I'm, I'm, I don't know about that like where does that theology come from that's not in the bible um, and so it just makes me more like uh, I'm on my toes about I don't want to inflict in the same way that has been inflicted on me subtly through teaching and um, I don't want to inflict that on, on other people even the idea of soundness like my friend challenged me recently like do you growing up in reformed culture you you have a sub you subconsciously think black preachers are somehow less sound because they sound somehow less expository because they're you know maybe more expressive and i was like I I I knew I subconsciously did that. Like if you sent me a black preacher, of course some of them, you know, there's some dodgy ones there. But like I would just almost see that and subconsciously. I'm like, there must not be sound because they're not, you know, you know, John Piper or whoever. Um, and so that there's a there's a lot that I've had to kind of unlearn because of my church background. Um, which which was very much I would say Western influenced. Like we used to sing hymns a cappella. We're more conservative than my conservative church in Scotland. That's saying a lot. Um. <laughs> 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 so just like, what well, what is the Bible say? What's clear? And, and what is kind of, you know, hold loosely. And I think it's a helpful principle to take because then you're constantly reflecting and and working that out and leaving room for people to do things a bit differently. Even if you think, I, I, I think like some of these missionaries pitched and they're like drums and they're like, ah, oh, this is too strange. And anything that was too strange, they are like, ah, oh, better not do that, not biblical. So, you know, how do I not do that in other ways, in other contexts? Um, and just repeat the same mistakes just in a different way. So I'm just cautious about, you know, hold on to the main truths of the gospel and, and proclaim those boldly. But areas, sure, have convictions, but where they're secondary or where I think this is cultural, I would say so or like hold, hold on to it loosely. And I think that's yeah. a helpful way of kind of <laughs> still navigating that.
3: Yeah.
2: I've remembered the third R. <laughs> He's done it. <laughs> it's receive reject
0: redeem ah. nice there we go there we go yeah, that's that's helpful i i think that process is really helpful being i, I don't know I, I for for whatever reason i i was quite critical of the bubble that i was in and i think part of that was my parents worked with an external mission organization so when i went to the mission school i was boarding and still technically an outsider and then i will go back to where my parents were during holidays. And so I was very much, and probably still am as uh, critical, like just able able to pinpoint where we're not living in a, in a way that should align with what we, we preach. And I, I've gotten into all sorts of debates on the internal email system, uh, email forums, as it was at the time with our slow dial up internet. Um, and, uh, just finding it so frustrating with things like, um, just just people not aware of their culture that they bring, um, where there would be things like (laughs) Christians who are about to go back home, uh, call it going finish, as we, I I don't know what other way that would say, you'd, you'd leave permanently. And instead of selling things in the local currency, in Keena uh, and allowing anyone to purchase these things that they, they had, they would sell them in us dollars. And mm-hmm. so Papua New Guinea who are on the mission center wouldn't be able to access these things. They wouldn't sell them at discount. Like they wouldn't just be like giving them away and you're like, mm-hmm. what's the purpose? What's been the whole purpose of you being here? <laughs> <laughs> just to, to hold this stuff. You can't take it back, mm-hmm. but you want to earn money, from the people around you and it it was things like that where you're just like surely like gospel living is like okay it's a bit sacrificial uh here's some stuff that you would never have access to in Papua New Guinea Mm -hmm. I've got access because these people paid me loads of money in the states to be over here yeah
3: here's
0: here's the stuff if it's useful um and it, it was things like that that just yeah I was very ready to leave that bubble and but it's still kind of in there, just mulling things over. Of, of like, in as you say, in the in the churches that we're in now, how are we blind to the culture that we're in, and how we become aware of those blind spots is having well, people like yourself, uh, just having a diverse church and listening to those people who have the experience of of a different culture, and mm-hmm. and allowing us to explore. Well, how how does the gospel help us to live this out. Um, and, and I find those that kind of critique generally is received defensively. So when I made that critique, cause like, what are we doing here? Like why are things being sold in us dollars in Papua New Guinea? The challenge was, well, I actually had someone, well, what, what have Papua New Guineans done for us? So that was, that was a missionary response to, to the criticism. And I'm going, Oh my goodness. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> why, why are you even in this country? Like I I, yeah. I don't understand. I can't empathize with a response like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so trying to un help people see their blind spots without them doubling down and going, This isn't my culture, this is this is Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's really hard <laughs> to, yeah. to bring that graciously. So just kind of on on that when you're discussing these kind of blind spots and your interactions with them have you had any experience of well a good experience within the church of people kind of recognizing those those points where actually this is this is scottish culture or or western culture and and maybe we can learn from that or or have you experienced and and have you experienced the sort of negative side of that as well
1: yeah, um I think surprisingly, uh that that's that sounds sad because like I, I think I just generally expect um resistance whenever I'm challenging anything that the church is saying, but like it's been relatively like positive whenever I've kind of talked about this. i remember having a conversation with one of the elders in my church about it and and he was like, Yep. <laughs> like I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I expected to like do a bit more convincing than that. So um I I think it depends how how you how you tackle it, I think you. I think giving examples, um, and um, I think it helps in my case because I'm like, I, I like living in two different cultures. Um, helps to. I'll say, for example, when you do this thing, this is how it comes across this way. And here, and just laying it almost like dumbing it down a little bit because you're just being like explicit in what you mean. Um, I think it is become maybe popular to just use um phrases and euphemisms and you know talk in in general terms. I I, I like to be where i can call out what exactly i'm referring to give one or two examples of what i'm referring to um and so that yeah that's one way of doing it i think if churches um you know i don't want to become like the poster girl for like <laughs> you know diversity and whatever and and I would just say and and you've hinted at it there Phil and um, having um partnerships or, or relationships in some way with churches that are different from you so both at a level um a local level like citywide um because that will kind of maybe bring out some of those social economic blind spots um but then a national level but also in an international level it's just really hard and um, if you've got somebody in a church in in China or somewhere talking about the issues that they're going through and some of the challenges to then you know if if you've if you're exposed to different areas and and you're partnering and you're praying for them it's it's, it becomes hard to be like well they're just not doing things right when you when you hear different aspects so you know just to give you an example like in in the Zambian context, maybe the challenge a Zambian church faces is <laughs> cultural Christianity. Like you know, the thief is stealing and saying, "Praise God for my meal." Like you know, how do you even you know how? Do, I don't know how you deal with that. Like, so I don't I haven't lived in Zambia in a long time. But you know, if, if you're hearing like people talking about the challenges, then as a Christian in Scotland who sometimes moans about like, "Oh, we're in a secular country," I'm like, do you know what? And um, you know, this is what it's like in Scotland. Actually, you've got less. Uh, Look, warm Christians because it just really does not pay to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. You've got in Zambian culture where like, you know, it looks good, like your bride price goes up, like, you know, I've got a master's degree and I'm a Christian, double that price. You know, (laughs) here it's like, gosh, you weirdo, like extra level weird. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, just, it just brings perspective, like having, having those relationships. So, So not being kind of insular, whether that's, you know, just you, your church or your denomination, but like, of course sometimes it's difficult to partner with people with different beliefs but in some way like pray for them like um you know the Iranian church down the road or you know the African church or you know the Korean church whatever it is and then nationally as well look beyond Scotland because you know there's there's a church beyond that and then international again international not just like Know, this one country, different countries, and praying and, and the, letting the whole church be aware of that not just that one day on Mission Sunday, like we pray for this random country that nobody cares about and you know, <laughs> giving them a 10 minute slot like intentionally doing that, I think helps, um, at the globe as a global church, um, to to have a bit more perspective about what we're going through, um, and maybe highlight some of our own blind spots. So, um, yeah,
0: it's really helpful. There's, there's a a couple of ways I wanted to take this because you've got a law degree there's quite a lot on your heart about sort of advocacy and, and welfare and I, I will come round to that I think in a minute but there's a couple of questions in live chat which I think uh, as I said in the title we would talk about women in evangelism because that's another passion of yours and um, I've got a couple of friends uh, kind of looking at this at the moment uh, with women in evangelism trying to figure out where where they can where can they go? Uh, yeah. Where Where is a place that, that that a woman who wants to be an evangelist can step up in a role? And and I think that question alone is sort of damning <laughs> where we're at.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, so I just there's, there's a couple of questions here, but before before we go into those questions, I'd be just interested in your experience. You are a woman evangelist in in what you do on Overflow Chat and um, sharing that. What's been your experience in In the church in Scotland, um, and then has your ministry as an evangelist had to go outside the church because you weren't able to be evangelist within it, or is that just the way it's worked out? What's been your experience there?
1: Yeah. I, it's, I've i had an interesting journey so bef- in the church I mean is like a you know independent evangelical complementarian church um mm-hmm. I've always kind of been in, in compli I think I was in one um egal- egalitarian church um that was um not not great but before that I was in a really legalistic church that you know there was an American pastor and um yeah, just had a certain vibe to it. So uh, I remember being involved in Christian Union missions, and you know, saying to somebody like, "Oh, I'm the CU president now. Can you pray for me?" And they're like, "Should you be president as a woman?" Um, and so there was a certain kind of compliment, It's another debate, <laughs> complementarianism that said, um, like, women shouldn't lead anything. Period um whether in the church whether a church like it didn't matter so and I had a passion like a burning passion for um for youth ministry just from personally my own struggles as as a youth I was like I just want to be able to equip young people um to to know what they believe and understand what they believe and articulate that and be confident in it so there was just nowhere for me to go with that so I guess a lot of my my ministry has kind of happened in para settings. So UCCF, I went to every conference that was uh, under the sun, and, and received training, quite a lot of training, um, in that context. And um, I left that church eventually, you know, more because of not even because of that. Although I was like, okay, great, so I can't I can't do the ministry I want to do. Um, but par- through para church, I was able to lead youth camps. Um, you know, the sports camp that I led, Christians in Sport, they gave me opportunities there, there wasn't even like oh your woman thing it just didn't matter so um so i was able to kind of nurture the gifts a little bit and be like oh, okay i think this is something i enjoy and um and yeah develop my gifts and um, but when i when i left um, that church um the, the ch- i went to the, the church that i'm in now um i think i've actually had um relative to i, I listened to many women who just yeah, my story is the opposite. So maybe I'm not the best person to, I've had incredible opportunities and a lot of support. Um, and I think this is where church leaders can play a role. Um, I could probably list you like a timeline of um like men, like I know women, we can encourage each other, but so it's the men with a power in one sense mm. that like need to make that happen and do a lot of encouraging. So right from the word go, like starting from relay, I'm gonna do relay 10 month discipleship training have to fund it myself I was like man I just not about that broke life like, I just wasn't keen to do it because I was worried about finances and also uh, you know I my career I was like oh, I want to do other stuff two elders in my church being like do it we'll support you like just really like active, very active encouragement, not just passive, like it had to be. It had to be, otherwise I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, I needed, uh, even as somebody who comes across probably to many people as confident, like I needed that extra encouragement and, and they gave it. Um, I finished relay and I was like, I might do Cornhill, I don't know, I stood, I'm i still broke. Um, And they were like, we'll support you, we'll pay for it. Well, what do you need? Like, tell right. us, what do you need? Um, And through Cornhill, I remember that the staff staff team leader for UCF in Scotland. And that man nagged me until I signed up for Cornhill. I was like, you need to use your gifts. Like I wasn't like, no, I don't wanna do ministry. Like this is not important. So. Like he really, really encouraged like at one point he just sent me the application from Bocorneo. Like nothing in the text message, just the the link to the application. Like oh, like see. please, please do this. Um any job that came up, ministry related, youth whatever, like you just would I would just receive messages from Peter Dixon, like <laughs> youth worker job. And I was just like, Okay, I, I don't wanna do ministry, Pete. Like, but then he was like, okay. If you don't wanna do it, at least train. Um, and, and do this like even if you don't end up in full-time ministry so um yeah and then just the the elders in my church just supporting that and and even when I was doing corn hair I can remember two male friends just being like non-gay I think you're really gifted like can you think about how you can use this gift like just like going out the way like you don't have to say this to me but you're saying it you're being specific about what you mean and I'm like, okay, so I'm not just imagining this. Like, okay, enough people have said it. Now maybe I might act on it and like be more intentional and thinking about that. So that, that's that been kind of my experience. And even now, I mean, my I'm speaking up. Um, a, a few things that I've spoken at is because one of my elders has literally just been dishing out my email to people. <laughs> Sometimes really? I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. but he's just like, go for it. Like he's sending my YouTube, like why are you sending my YouTube videos? Like, cause I, when I'm making those videos, I'm me, I'm here in my room. I'm, I'm not imagining like a church leader watching them. I know I'm targeting some of them at church leaders, but I'm like, they're not watching. He's busy sending them to church leaders. Like, oh, by the way, I send we use this in our, you know, team day, team, team day thing or whatever. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. (laughs) it's just (laughs) (laughs) a part of me you know mortified oh my goodness like uh, I'm not that legit but it it is that kind of we've invested in you and and we'll give you now we'll give you the opportunities to to speak and you know how how can we and I've I've come up with different ideas like I I would like to equip women in the church maybe let's do something per term if I brought something to the elders like that they'll be like sure when are we doing it like so it's just been, I think my experience has been very unique in, in that way because I speak to other women and they're just, it's just not quite like that. And I feel like it should be like that, but yeah. there they have been men um, and, and, and I'm speaking in a complementarian setting here who have been intentional about a telling me, I think you're gifted in this area. B giving me opportunities to train and, and offering support, not just like, by the way you should train like do you need money? Like we'll pay for that. And then thirdly, then giving opportunities um sorry opportunities and platforms to use those gifts um on an ongoing basis and offering encouragement like you know i'm, I'm speaking at kezek in a few weeks and two oh, of the wow. elders were just like oh Inonge, by the way i saw that green girl. how can we pray for you i'm just like i'm just i'm just Inonge. like why why do you care that you know so oh it's just it's just incredible and um I, if if somebody is asking a church leader or whatever how can we encourage women in ministry man it takes it takes that level I think of intentionality because women will just they, they don't have the opportunities and sometimes they'll shy away from you know putting themselves forward and so you almost need to be like extra in your encouragement and support and practically offer it as well don't just say it like by the way I think you're a good evangelist okay like Let's is something, something coming up like tell tell somebody like oh by the way I've got this somebody in my church and they would be good for this and that's where it, that that like, I think that's where it matters in 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 yeah
0: that's really encouraging to hear I mean I we're both in complementary churches in, in that sense sorry Dan I put you in it um, but the in as I am part of the leadership team trying to do that and encourage the women around me that I see as gifted in evangelism and ministry, trying to work out where those platforms are is really mm-hmm. interesting hearing the leaders you've been involved with doing that really well. Uncomplementarianism um, I mean, gets a lot of bad press and, and rightly so because of that extreme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, there is that extreme. And, and as a church, we have uh, women in our church preach and that would be seen as very liberal by some. <laughs> and you're <they're laughs> yeah. like, well, really? Like, I don't see that happening in, in the Bible. Like, Phoebe or Priscilla, I can never remember who brings Romans. Like, would she be told to sit junior. down? Well, Junior's mm-hmm. part of I that don't, even,
1: well. don't even,
0: don't <laughs> even. Uh, and and then, then you've got regendering Junior. Like, there's, like, all sorts <laughs> of, of mess in that. And and so I, I, that kind of leads into the, the question that um, Rebecca has asked like do, do you have any sort of have you had that kind of response to you or it's been like why do you have this platform um or I'll just be interested to to what you have to say to those who oppose women in ministry um mm-hmm. I would have quite a bit to say <laughs> but I'd just be interested in yeah. your voices
1: yeah um I think I think it has maybe not happened as as much recently. I, I don't know. I just um I just inhabit different. I think because I'm not in ministry. I think people that it would be interesting to see somebody in ministry, a woman in ministry, answering that question because yeah. I think their experience is quite different because they're they're in these spaces a lot more with with men and you know like the, the men I interact with are like my elders and they're like they're like they're like my pals. Like if you look at all the <laughs> elders they're really chill like people are like is that you out there really it's like it's chill it's vibing and so you know but if i was maybe a a, you know in full-time ministry and i was going to a conference and i was surrounded but like i don't know what that experience would be so i i think they would maybe have a lot more insight into you know the, you know, the side eye people give you, should you, do you even belong here? Um, but because I don't, because I'm not in ministry, I don't really inhabit those. I mean, I went to a pastor's conference in two years ago, like it's not just pastors, but people in ministry. Um, and yeah, like I wasn't even in ministry People like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I work for Macmillan, like, <laughs> like well, why are you here? Um, but, but even then I just stayed with my, you know, people that I knew and, and things like that. So, um, I, what I would say maybe to people in the past that would you know were not willing to kind of kind of give me the opportunities I I think the the the, the gifts of the the gifts of the spirit um including the teaching gifts are, are given to, to to men and women and yeah. um, now you know when I say I hold to a complementarian view like there's a there's a kind of complementarianism that is like you could call it Christian patriarchy where they see um, men as ontological leaders and women as ontologically submissive and so th- it's the kind of space where you know when they get to the passage about um you know wives submit to husbands they're like what should we say to the single people and the answer is nothing like they're submitting to nobody <laughs> like, but they'll come to the conclusion more well, submit to all men like if you're in a meeting if you're on a church team then you know you should have a posture let the men lead because you know you're starting from a wrong place like it's something that's ontological but actually if you you see um if you see it as something that's like purely functional I don't even I'm not even convinced maybe I need to do more thinking on this like it doesn't even elaborate on it's just (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. not like you know you know women or wives submit to husbands or whatever because you know men are better leaders or whatever like all those things that are kind of said I'm like like scripture is silent on that you just you're just saying stuff now so I, I think we need to throw some of those uh, I would say cultural baggage away and actually go back to what does it actually just say or, and what does it not say um, and and I and I think there's there's um, yeah the, the, there's a way in which um, you know the there's qualifications for, for elders um, I, I believe that you know those are uh, a male but then you know there are different ways in which um, women can serve in leadership. Um, without conflicting with that. So um, I think h- asking the question, where is your heart in this? Because the where some of this dialogue goes, you're convinced some people are just convinced, they, they just want to cling to power. They're just, it's all about, you know, just always having conversations about what women can or can't do. Um, but if you have a heart of like, how are we going to serve the Lord better? How can we um, preach the gospel better, um, men and women? I think that having that different kind of disposition frames a conversation in a different way because then you're not obsessed about you know where's the line what can we get away with or not get away with it like you you're 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 thinking about how can you include how can you include women becomes more of that kind of conversation and I think um you know I I know people in my church who fall differently on this they might not even agree (laughs) what I just said but I get the sense in the the way the elders handle it they're always thinking of ways in which how can we include women not in a Mm -hmm you know patronizing sort of way you know my pastor was having this conversation with me like how can we use your gifts even more rather than what can you not do like can we just keep adding a list of things that you shouldn't do and um, and and I think genuinely if they had their way we'd probably they would probably be women be able to do a lot more than maybe they do in my church at the moment Um, so but but they have a heart the, the, I, I get the sense of God that like heart of humility and heart for for serving and and encouraging the whole body, and recognizing that we just need men and women, and that's part of like I think what complementarianism should be. And the beauty of that is we should uh, work together for the good of the church and and use the gifts. There's nothing in there that says the gifts of teaching or ever. Um, or it, I don't know. People say ridiculous things like, "Well, you can you can you can teach your children, but only like you know sort of below a certain age," and like and then it just becomes now you're just making stuff up, you know. Yeah. So. Once they I'm get guessing... to seven,
2: you can't you can't teach them. Yeah, they're too hard for that. Yeah, that's oh. where where
1: do you stop? Um, so I'm I'm still it? working out my theology on on this on this whole issue, but um, and and it's something I hold again loosely. So you know, I've, I think I'm surrounded by more egalitarian friends than <laughs> than complementarian mm-hmm. ones. So um, so it's an it's an interesting one, and 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 I just don't think it's something to disfellowship over. Um, I. It's, it's it's an important issue in the sense that it's good to know what you believe and why because it probably shapes what kind of church you go to but a secondary issue in that I'm like I just don't even waste so much energy having those debates because so I'm just like guys I live in a secular country like people need to hear about Jesus this is honestly the list of my problems right now uh, when <laughs> it, yeah it just isn't a <laughs> priority on my list
0: that's great Dan you, you lent in I, I thought you're were you were preparing for another question
2: no no I think um yeah I think that I think views of complementarianism are so um that they're influenced by people's experience and I think like you said like when you had um you know a church leader sort of saying you shouldn't be CU leader because you're a woman Mm-hmm. They're they're the kind of folks that, that uh, yeah sort of you know as as someone who holds I would sort of consider myself broadly complementarian in the sense that um, really I just think I, I I find it hard to read the Bible in a way um, in, in in terms of my hermeneutics of seeing um, you know eldership yeah. as as not a, a as as a male position. Mm-hmm. but other than that uh, i literally think women should be doing everything else
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know like you said the, the gifts are not dishes it doesn't say you know in ephesians about you know the different te- the gifts distributed by by sex um it, it's um so that that's probably i'm, I'm probably complementary and light in that sense and other than that i just think women should be doing absolutely everything because they're just as gifted and and uh and as, as as anyone else. Yeah. Um but beyond that, I think it's when when um like you said with people trying to limit what what women can uh you know what sports permit what women are permitted uh to to do uh it gets it gets That's quite awesome. murky and and yeah and like you said I think the way you describe it as Christian sort of patriarchy is is I would be deeply uncomfortable around people like that. Um, it's not, not, not probably a church I would, I would feel comfortable being part of.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, and it's important to know. I mean, Rebecca from Bread of Life has just said that, and I, I'm, I'm well aware of, of that, uh, that view, <laughs> Rebecca. Yeah. I think that's uh, uh, thanks for being honest with that. And
1: I, 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 I totally sympathize with that because, yeah, I. I've seen I've seen the ugly side um Mm. I think because I I, I've seen the beautiful side um I wouldn't say that and be like well take my experience and therefore and and diminish somebody else's like negative experience so um I whilst I describe my own positive experience and I I think this is how it should be um I recognize that very often it just isn't um and I, I personally know many women in that kind of situation. So, um, yeah, I hear you. And yeah, it's sad that that that's the case.
0: I think think on that is, there's definitely seems to be a reckoning, at least within complementarian circles, at least if to be wary of how much I read on Twitter, but there, there's definitely this conversation <laughs> raising its head with how uh, people like Beth Moore has been treated and that kind of conversation. Surprised it's taken this long <laughs> mm-hmm. for for that to be rooted out as an unbib- unbiblical position to only have women able to teach in as the setting of only women, and uh, the, the that is still being defended and fought over is is infuriating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so
2: odd. Imagine that
0: is odd. I've learned so much. Is, so many it's so I can't, I can't it's It feels so, so foreign to me saying that
2: yeah. you know women can only can only teach other women. Yeah, I just it just it just strikes me as just deeply odd. Like you wouldn't, what other context would you have that? Like yeah. it's it's such it's such an odd view. Like of course, that like, I'm learning from you now. Like, yeah. like should this be? You know, some complementarians might have a problem with with this now. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, are <you> teaching us? <laughs> yeah. how did my mom teach me? I like when I like it's, it's a bit bizarre. And, and I think just following on from the, the, the other question on this, and it kind of leads into I realize I haven't asked you how long you have in Ongay. We usually aim for an hour and a half, we're almost there. Do you have time for a few more questions? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Um the question is uh do you think churches who deny women leadership are unhealthy? Is it a sign of an unhealthy church? Uh, I would argue yes um I, just just on this point it's brought something I've, I've been reading church called tove by a guy named scott mcknight and i'd highly recommend it but he he had a quote that stuck in my mind is that the the toxicity of a church can be measured by how it treats its women mm-hmm. um and and i i found that quite yeah as i said work complementary and similar to to dan it seems like similar to your experience in on which i'm Glad to hear just
1: trying to really, yeah well yeah. actually interestingly enough the video that um she's referring to it was an egal- egalitarian church i had in mind for that um oh, that right, was okay. yeah i was actually referring to spiritual abuse and um, so i've recently started a charity dealing with probably what i had in mind more is just like sexual abuse stuff that, that happened in a complementarian church but for that particular video um and if you watch it, I'm I'm slightly angry. I watched it back like a few weeks ago. I was like, oh man, I was it was fresh in my mind. So I was like, Wah! um, <laughs> you know, it, it was there was those men and women, I think more women than men actually, um, leading. And and yeah, um the, the spiritual abuse was was terrible. Um, and the fallout from that was horrific. Um, and so that that's what motivated me to do that. So I think that's what convinces me. I think. There's a way in which complementary um, um, s- and complementary setup, and even the word complementary, I don't even like using anymore because it's so, um, it's so broad, and, and clearly it just means something different now from what it's I'm thinking in my head. Yeah, it's tainted, but like you know, th- there are certain complementary structures that that make that I think um, like make abuse right because it's, you know they say well you know we protect men are the protectors and and women are um you know to be protected by men and and they see that as an ontological thing but what mm-hmm. often happens when abuses um is revealed is that you know the men the protectors protect each other because you know there by the for the grace of god i go type thing and all sorts of you know theological languages used to defend it so um, i think where you have this the sort of complementarianism where um, women are actually devalued under the guise of theology um and and with the bible to justify it um, then it's a recipe for disaster because they're like they're not going to be heard and it's a kind of church where women are sent back to abusive homes because you know they must be submissive so I, I think there's a certain kind of communitarianism that the what I'm defining as where they, they 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 root it in um a doctrine called eternal subordination of the sun like Trinitarian heresy where it's rooted in that then absolutely I would say that but I think in general that like I've just from from my experience like it, it hasn't even mattered what kind of church it is there's, there's always um, where you have people that are, are held in in such a high regard that the um, the Bible isn't taken seriously in such a way that that people love Jesus and love his people and um, there's all sorts of ways in which that can be right for abuse. Um, but I I think yeah I think just whatever camp you're in like what does it look like? I think it would look and um, the church I was referring to that was egalitarian um, maybe it was more subtle in in how that looked. Um, um, I don't know how they would handle a situation of domestic abuse. I, I don't know how the, how they would respond to that. And then in a complementarian church, maybe with that kind of, you know, you know, whatever you are on the spectrum, I think it's just helpful to ask, how can this be abused? How are we set up? Are we set up in such a way, if, if abuse happened in, in this context and how we're set up, how would that work? I mean, if if you just have men doing everything and women aren't involved at all, and, and you have a a woman that's been abused like uh, they're gonna come to like a panel of men to like talk about you, you, you know there's, there's all sorts of things to think mm-hmm. through so um i i think it's important not just i think it's too simplistic to say it's just a complementarian thing per se yeah. uh but at the same time i don't think we should just be like well you know complementarian theology is good and we should you know it, and and therefore it, it shouldn't be an issue i think if I was being honest I, I would say then that, yeah there are ways in which sexual abuse in particular can flourish in a complementarian setting if it's if it's set up in a certain way even if it's not even if it's well set up you know and uh, that's another thing. In defense
2: of, of, of complementarians in a sense it's not it's not always just complementarianism or egalitarianism it's more about um the the individual's view of leadership, as well as a leader, what yeah, an authoritarian leadership. I mean, yeah. You can have an authoritarian leader in an egalitarian yeah. church yeah. Uh, as much as you can get one in a, in a complementarian church. And I think when you have that structure, where um, and I've seen this a lot in Pentecostal church. What actually Pentecostals and Reformed churches, not to uh, mm-hmm. discover my own sort of experiences, is, is um, where it's been tipped up. Whereas Jesus came to serve. Mm-hmm. And 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 leaders sell themselves as, as being served, you know. Yeah. You and 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 when that when that's inculcated into the into the church culture about, uh, you know, it's very clear that um, It's almost was, like a you, hierarchy, there, like there, yeah, a yeah, 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 like, seems know, like a priest. Yeah. You know, God yeah. speaks to them, and mm-hmm. then maybe maybe it will come down to us, a sort of Moses like yeah. figure, and yeah. and 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 that for me whatever whatever structure you've got if that's in mm-hmm. place that is a situation yeah. that's ripe for spiritual abuse or any yeah. kind of abuse yeah. um, and, and that's what should be avoided and I think that that that's the thread that I've seen with, 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 with anything um, you know within when we've seen abuses uh, abusive leadership mm-hmm. and things and and that's 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 somewhere I would feel deeply deeply uncomfortable and very concerned uh, yeah. about that and that and that's quite common in in particular yeah. Um, and I think sometimes that's um, cultural as well. In the sense, you know, we come to certain cultures where um, you know a leader is is put on a pedestal. Revered,
1: yeah, and that's I'm absorbed, that in, quite, yeah, yeah, like absorbed
2: that, yeah. into Christian culture. Again, one of those things mm-hmm. where actually I think we should reject it or redeem mm-hmm. redeem it, um, and and that gets that gets Christianized. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I think that you have a culture of fear and and um, you know think, things like that. Sorry, I've I've, I've yeah. gone off topic, but I, yeah. Think yeah. I just I just I just think I think that's just worth. I think it's authoritarian leadership, whether that's yeah. a woman or whether that's a man. That's 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 somewhere that's ripe for for abuse and deeply yeah. unbiblical um, because yeah. it's yeah, switched that, that hierarchy bad. upside down.
0: I think there's a there's a quote from from the book that's saying uh, as well that was like basically if you've got an authoritarian leader, they're more likely to put themselves in the position of Jesus rather than the disciples. Yeah. So they'll, they'll be like, I'm, I'm the David, I'm the Moses, I'm the Jesus figure rather than I'm the people of God, I'm the disciples, I'm, I'm the one that keeps denying Christ by accident or on purpose because I'm scared or like, and, and yeah, it's such a necessary aspect of finding a leader who mm. it's the bill like
1: what the bible says i was was having this conversation with somebody i think um just coming back to the complementarianism thing one of one of the reasons um maybe it like general broad evangelicalism is the kind of leaders um the kind of leaders that we have promoted and like in our bid for expository teaching um you know skilled orators and and we've kind of abandoned that you know biblical description of like the qualifications real doesn't it like most of those things I think one one thing says able to teach everything else yeah. is like
3: <laughs> character yeah. And
1: stuff yeah gentleness and humility and self-sacrifice and all of those things so, so I think what you say there Dan about like authority is like if, if if they are like that anyway regardless of what context then yeah you've got a recipe for disaster there and, and uh, spiritual abuse
2: I, I always think would they wash your feet the, the, yeah. the, the, the tests like can you imagine if you're at a church can you imagine would you know with the would the pastor wash your feet Jesus yeah. would wash his, his followers feet and if you can imagine a lot of church I think it's the opposite
3: yeah I think yeah. The, I think
2: the pastor would have his feet washed by the by the congregation yeah. I don't think he would ever touch the congregation's yeah. feet mm-hmm. and for me that's that, that sort of test that that, mm. that that test of humility would they wash your feet can you imagine your the person you want to be an elder or a pastor Washing your feet. Mm. If you can't, that's probably the wrong person. For me, that their ability to teach is can, is, is is always subsumed by humility. You know.
0: Yeah, um, yeah I, want, I do. I think there are some translations that's teachable. So even that is a, a yeah. character trait. Yeah. A sign of humility than, than necessarily teachability and the, the sense of you're able to can, teach can,
2: others. Can you imagine Mark Driscoll washing someone's feet?
0: <laughs> We're naming names, are we? You're all
3: right.
2: Well, yeah, but... it's it's well known. Oh, he, he's, went there. he He's already he's already yeah. he's already gone yeah, again. Done, so, like, so and this time. is someone I, I love listening to Doctrine his his teaching series, uh you know, years ago. So I was you know um that mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, he
0: was quite popular in the. He's the, he's, he's
2: a well known example, I think, yeah. like, as someone who as an authoritarian leader. And I think I've read enough now to yeah. kind of
1: yeah,
2: you know, the, oh, the evidence he, is there. He's not a feet washer.
0: Yeah, well, it's the, the circles we swam in down when we were. He He's
1: was, not a feet washer. He's not. A yeah, feet washer,
0: when when, when he it. was big, it was also Bill <laughs> the, the 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 Bill Hybels book on leadership that was very yeah. much out of business and organizational structures rather than out of a servant heart that builds mm-hmm. others up that seeks all those things. I mean, there's so so many examples in, in ongo of, of your own experience of of how any leader should be leading. Like, oh, uh, his, I can see your gifts. I, I could go to that conference, but actually, I want you to go to that conference. And and it's um, giving up the platform so that others can be be seen above you is what leaders should be doing more, more and more. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, only you, you're talking about your so your your heart is for these um, this this uh, charity. That's what I'm trying to find charity for for survivors of abuse. Tell, tell us a bit. plug plug away like what what is this charity what are you doing with it and um how can people find it support it get on board with it um and then we'll we'll close off with our, our last question after that
1: yeah um yeah so it is called restored hope zambia um so it's a charity that's going to be working in zambia like right, surprise um to support survivors of, of church abuse so it's quite quite specific um thinking there of like clergy abuse um and it came off the back of uh, yeah again trying to help some friends um who had been uh, abused in the context of a church setting and them not having anywhere to go um to you know just i think when they you know Talked about what happened, some of the responses they received were really unhelpful. And some of the things were cultural, um, like you know, Zambian culture and and how it deals with abuse, like, you know, we don't want to ruin people's reputation, think about your family name, you know, those kinds of things, but also some things that I would say would happen in any culture with, with church abuse, where it's like, you know, the person in power um, you know, holds all the cards and you know, they they might not necessarily get um. The, the, yeah, the victims don't get the justice that that they should. Um, so I tried to help. Long, long story short, it just wasn't really going anywhere, and um, I just felt I I can't just do nothing. Um, so I started this charity to support survivors through counselling. Accessing that is really difficult in Zambia. Like getting qualified people um you know to to um to receive that help um and and getting the access to justice again people people think um that that's not something you should do so if it's a man of God or a pastor like somehow people think that the you know, if you're a Christian or a pastor ever you're immune to the consequences of a law so that is one of the main areas as um yeah that I'm really passionate about and, and justice so you just yeah, access to that as well also equipping the church um in in the uk we've got safeguarding legislation as a bare minimum to help people um you know you wouldn't have a scenario well not deliberately where you have somebody um and that is just meeting with you know young girls and and nobody's questioning that and and if somebody came up and say they were being abused, you would have an obligation, if you're a church leader, to report that to authorities. Um, I've just discovered that that's, that obligation doesn't exist in Zambia. So that makes sense of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only legal obligation in one piece of legislation is that you should inform the victim of their rights. People wouldn't even know what those rights are. Right. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to do. I'm not starting because, abuse doesn't happen in other countries some people have been like oh does it happen a lot in zambia like you know zambia is like abuse central no it happens everywhere but um it's easier to happen because those safeguarding measures aren't in place and it's much harder for accountability to happen because again there are no obligations or legal obligations for reporting and the legal system is an absolute shambles and people just economically and also professionally, there's just little access for people to get help. So if you can imagine somebody that's a survivor, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say anything because the, what's gonna be the point? Like nobody will believe me. And even if they do, I'll probably get blamed. And then I'm dealing with all this trauma. There's nowhere to go for it. So that, that's my heart really, just to kind of deal with everything holistically and challenge some of the theological underplayings that people bring um you know matthew 18 we should just mm. you know not it all sorts of things just like i'm like well we just need to do a lot <laughs> It's yeah. big uh, it's ambitious but i just like uh, i just i just needed to do something so so that's what i've done so it's a it's an official ngo um got registered and i've set up a scottish charity which also official now as of last week um to support the Zambian charity financially. Um so at the moment you won't find anything, no websites because we're not operational yet. Um and I think people are, oh, why are we not started? And I'm just aware of the the magnitude of what we're doing. So there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes to get the right policies and the right um structures in place to start off with, um, yeah. so that we we don't become, you know, the problem as well. So um there's a GoFundMe, um, Resort Up Zambia, um, that you can kind of give to just to help with startup costs. I want to have premises so that, you know, things are done well and properly from the word go. I um, wanna have staff that are properly trained um to to take calls or emails or whatever. Um so that's what the GoFundMe is. But um I think I've put an update on the GoFundMe if you want to support the work once a Scottish charity is set up and can receive money legally, <laughs> which is not yet the case. Um there will be a website and all of that. And um I will send an email um, um if you yeah fill in your details on on the form on the GoFundMe then you can absolutely do that long term. But um yeah in a nutshell that's that that's restored up Sambia
0: i've All found right. the fundraiser link i'll put it into the live chat we'll put it in the description as well so we'll share it
2: around on facebook as well can't we
0: yeah definitely and it's, it's so good to and it's interesting what matthew 18 i, I it just there needs to be work done in english churches <laughs> i'm sure yeah. sort of, like the idea that that works for a survivor of sexual abuse to then go back to the perpetrator and try and restore them like what <laughs> what world uh, honestly. Is what? jesus yeah. was more no clever than that like come on let's, let's uh work that through so, uh, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you and on gay i've had a we've had a few comments uh saying just thank you for your your insight and clear understanding um there's that challenge of washing feet that came from down which had a, a comment on so um Thanks for your time, Dan. Is there anything else? Any final? We haven't asked our last question.
3: No. So you're
0: getting
2: ahead of you're getting ahead of yourself here.
0: All right, Dan, ask it.
2: Well, we was just going to say what we 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 always like to ask. We're both uh, sort of vociferous readers, so uh, and uh, we hope people listen. We, Christians should read books as you know, read yeah read the Bible, but also read books. So we always we always like to get recommendations from our, our people we're interviewing just uh, maybe a, a book or two that they they think that um, Christians should read, and maybe uh, someone uh, that maybe they haven't heard of who they should check out and find out find out more about.
0: Or podcast if you're a podcaster, we, we yeah we can, yeah or po-
2: or podcast we as
0: well. Other podcasts. We're not we're not like only listen to us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm reading a book. Um, gosh, I've forgotten the title, the history of the African. Uh, I'll find it and send it you guys later. the history of the church in Africa. Um, it's like an old book, like I think 1995 or something. But um, it just details like the the history, like just to deal with the the whole um, Christianity is a white man religion. I just wanted to properly read like the history. Um, so that's what I'm reading at the moment. Um, I don't read that much. I, I would love to because I like to learn. But if I would find a way of just downloading the information, that would be great. So oh, I, I, a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Podcasts are my thing. If I could find a nice church. I think there is a church history podcast, but I don't know how much um, it tackles in African history, but I'll, I'll need to find it. Um, cool. I I love uh, Black Korea is uh, my new... Uh, it's not new anymore because I've known about it for like six months now, but it's, it's one of my favorite, po- cause it's British. Like see, there's so many podcasts that are like, every time I find a British podcast, that's Christian. I'm like, yay. <laughs> like overly enthusiastic because I've got nothing against America, but um, there aren't that many. <laughs> yeah,
0: there aren't that many. It's great. They're,
1: they're, they're not. Um, so anytime I find one, I'm like, like, follow, share. So blackberry app, yeah um is is great just um yeah they're they're based in london and they uh i get their banter because it's like oh i actually you're funny you guys um and and just yeah they just talk about um uh, yeah theology the church everything and um, so that that would be my one recommendation if you are looking for a new podcast to listen to
2: yeah, I'm going to download. I'm going to add that. I've just typed it into Google, so I'm going to make sure remind me to download that because um, I'm always looking for good podcasts, especially like I said British ones. The only uh, if you the only one I regularly listen to that's English is Mere Fidelity.
0: That's for good. But that's, but, then that's, but that's
2: got that's half that's only half English,
0: really. It's half yeah. You've got to Speak Life. Speak Life. Speak Life. Yeah. life yeah. Speak yeah.
2: Life is yeah. very good. Speak Life yeah. is yeah. very yeah. good. Yeah. If you and gear, if you re, if you uh, come across uh, Vince Bantu's book, A Multitude of All Peoples.
1: Uh, I think I've saved it in a folder where I've taken screenshots of books I should buy but yeah because <laughs> that, that, that's got a lot it. of
2: stuff about Africa as well and that comes uh it's on my reading list I was just I actually only added I added it from another previous list uh, previous interviewer I can't yeah. remember who, rec- uh, who recommended that but um I, I'm gonna try and order that soon and that, that looks excellent in terms Claire of the scope of Claire Williams that's right. it yeah Claire Williams has recommended yeah. that yeah Vince too. yeah love Claire yeah she's great. great she's good
0: um dan there's a personal question here just for you have you read rebecca's book uh, uh bridges of love and understanding yet that she said halfway
2: you? halfway through it it's over there in my box hey right, it's, it's right next to me yeah so i've been making, well, making i was, I was hoping for
0: an awkward not yet
2: <laughs> no no well i mean technically i, have, I haven't finished it um uh, but uh but I, i'm i'm in i'm enjoying it and taking my time it's a, it's a great book
0: Yep. Awesome. So, we're, we're going to close off there. Nange, thank you so much for joining us and I'm sure we'll hopefully have you on again sometime and hear about your charity and how it's been going and, and more. There's there's loads of stuff that we could talk about. And uh, thank you. Thanks for your time.
1: Uh, thank you both. Um, it's been a pleasure.
2: Thank you, Nange.
1: No
0: worries. So, thanks, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks for being part of this. If you've enjoyed it, please do share and uh, like subscribe all those things Um, make sure you tell anyone and everyone about us we're going to be here anyway even if no one else joins us Um, and we just enjoy these conversations hope you learned something Hope you've challenged you a little bit Uh, i've been challenged as well um, and we'll be here hopefully in a few weeks time we've got a couple people lined up that we're just confirming so watch this space we'll have another chat soon thanks again and night. thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show if you like what you hear please do give us a subscribe on YouTube or follow us on any of the social media out there and give us feedback get in touch let us know what you think if you really enjoyed the content and want to support it find us on patreon.com